Brother Sam Davison would call that a happy song. Uh, there's some Bible doctrine in there. You kind of have to feel your way through it, though. And uh, But every once in a while, I just need one of those songs. just kind of takes you back, doesn't it? And I appreciate, if you don't know it, if you're visiting, those are my three boys. And it's good to be able to sing with my boys. And uh, they're men now, I guess. And so, I guess, sort of. Two of them are married, and I have my first grandkids, so it's good. If you went in your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 3, we're actually going to preach on our theme verse this morning. Philippians chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse 12 and read through verse 14. And it's been a while since we've kind of focused back on our theme, and that really is the title of the message this morning, just single focus, to stay focused. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. The Bible says here, Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect or complete, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Our theme verse is verse 13. But the theme verse for the chapter is actually verse 14. I press toward the mark. I'd like to just again get us back, focus back on the one thing this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Pray the Lord that you just bless the reading of it, bless the preaching. I pray, God, that you would be with the listeners as well, that hearts would be attentive, and God, that you'd speak to our hearts. Thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Staying focused uh, for me has always been a hard thing to do. Um, from the time I was very small, and again, my dad now is a member of our church, and so I have to be careful with childhood stories that I tell uh, the truth. I always tell the truth. Anyway, um, but no, I want to make sure I'm accurate. But my dad would testify that I may have been a little bit of a hyperactive child, that uh, definitely there was some, some lack of focus when it came to just about everything. Actually, everything. And I had a very, very hard time staying focused. And I'm one of, the, I'm one of those people that if I see a squirrel, I chase it. Squirrel, squirrel, you know, and you just, you, you, whatever happened, and I start chasing it. I, uh, and, and some of us, or all of us, and, and to some degree, have issues with staying focused, and some more than others. And I'm easily distracted. Staying focused, again, is very difficult. I think about a couple of different situations in my life growing up, and I think about being on the football field. And it's been a long time since I used a football illustration, and so this morning we'll use one. And, uh, but being on the football field, I was on the defense my last two years in high school. I was the inside linebacker. And the inside linebacker was kind of considered the, you know, the quarterback uh, of the defense, and it was my job to read the signs the coach gave us from the sidelines and then tell our players what defensive play we were uh, running and then to put them make sure they were in the right position and I can tell you that in doing that there was many times that I short-circuited that though the the coach called it from the sideline I was so hyped up and so uh, yes uh, very much hyperactive that I, f I would forget by the time I turned around what the coach had called or I was too uh, too hyped up to be able to put put the people in their proper places, and and then what would happen? 
the coach would yell at me. Crawford, what are you doing? You know what we're supposed to be doing. Why did you run that play? That's not the right play. And just on and on and on. There was times uh, my dad would testify as well that, uh, you know, I, I may have gotten a little overexcited and ran the wrong way a few times and all sorts of stuff um, as I was growing up playing football. But you think about, again, in football, how they, you know, big things in life, uh, the big plays, the big things in life can distract us. It really can. We think about uh, things that come into our life, whether it be, again, the, 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 your first love and then marriage and then kids. And we can become very ingrained and very, uh, very you know, streamlined into what we're uh, doing in life and, and get uh, off track and not staying focused. I think about, I had the opportunity as a, a child, you know, a teenager to work in a cabinet shop. And some of y'all have met uh, my boss. He's been here a few times. His name is Paul Payton. He's in his 80s now. I'm so thankful for him and the opportunity I had to work in that cabinet shop. We'd also build house, houses now and again. And so I got an opportunity to kind of learn a lot from him. Uh, but I can tell you in the cabinet shop, one of the things we did was we made raised panel doors. Anybody know what that is? Raised panel doors. They're the cabinet doors that most of you have in your home. And those cabinet doors are made up of different parts. And, uh, you know, the rails, and then you have the, the actual piece that's in the center. And, uh, but those little rails that go around, uh, those things are cut. Yeah, it's kind of picture in picture over here, the same thing. But, you, but each one of those little pieces are cut individually. They may have some kind of, I've seen, uh, there's a man over here, Mr. Hunter, by the way. If you know Hunter, um, I forget the name of that company. It's right over here off of 287. The man I worked for trained him as well. And he has a big business now, but he has a machine that does it. Anyway, but individual cuts, and you just have to cut, literally do the same cut 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 times with a radial arm saw. Here you just, you, you're cutting this board 10 inches, cut that board 10 inches, cut that board 10 inches, cut that board. Anybody bored yet? Cut that board. I was bored. I'd start cutting those rails and cut out the face frames and all those things, and I would, I would literally just, I'd get bored, and guess what happened when you get bored? You lose, you lose focus. And that's not good if you're working with a machine that can cut your arm off, right? I'll never forget, I still have the scar right there. I just got distracted and just, you know, taken for granted. And I'm putting those in there and putting them in there. And I raised, pulled on that radar arm saw and it came across my finger. And woo, I woke up. And from that time forward, I was careful about getting distracted. That's, even though it's monotonous, uh, it was a monotonous uh, job, where you're cutting the same thing, doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, uh, you have to stay focused. Can I tell you in life, there's a lot of things we do that we do over and over and over and over again. We get up in the morning, the alarm goes off. Some of us, sometimes the alarm doesn't have to go off. You just kind of have this inside clock. And it goes off and you get up and you get dressed and you go to work and you come home, you eat supper, you sit on the uh, couch or in your lazy boy recliner, you watch TV, and you just on and on and on. That routine can become monotonous, can become the same. All of a sudden, you find yourself being distracted. Sometimes in life and in the cabinet shop, we just get really busy, and we're trying to hurry. And sometimes when you're trying to hurry, boy, you can, you can cut off a finger. <laughs> Got to be careful. Sometimes when we get so busy, we get, we get off focus. We, we don't stay focused on, on, the, on what's important. Can I tell you, in life, it's important as a Christian. In fact, it is our goal. It is our goal. It should be every Christian's goal to stay focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It should be every Christian's goal to be more like Jesus Christ, to glorify Him, to stay focused on Jesus. How do we do this? Well, our one goal, our focus is to know Him more, to know the Lord Jesus Christ more, to grow in our knowledge of Him. By the way, that's called, part of this is called sanctification. As we learn more about Jesus Christ, more about Jesus, what I know, more of His grace to others show, more of His fullness, uh, grace and free, more of the love who died for me. I just want to know more about Jesus. As I learn more about Him, you know, think about King David again. King David said there in Psalm 42, he said, As the heart or as the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. David had a longing to know God more. And I can go on and on and on, things I've quoted to you, our congregation, many, many times. Again, in, in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 10, Paul said, I desire that I might know Him. That's our, our, our goal is to stay focused on Jesus, to know Him more, to grow in our knowledge of Him, to be more like Him. So as I learn more about Jesus Christ, as I learn more about His life and how He lived and His acts and His character, His attributes, that the more I know of Him, the more I know about Him, the more I can be like Him. The more I can be like Him. The greater opportunity the Holy Spirit has in my life to conform me to the image of His Son. And then the more that I am like Him, the more I want to please Him. The more I want to please Him. In fact, as a Christian, as a born-again believer, my desire and your desire should be to know Him more to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the epistle said. To be more like Him, to walk in His steps. I know you've heard this before, but stay with me now. And therefore, to please Him. I, I really have only one person to please in life. We get pulled in every direction. We get paid, pulled in all sorts of directions. We, we all, most all of us live busy lives. And I wish we could throw the cell phones away and go back to the phone that was on the wall where you had to go, right? Remember those? I do. I can remember my grandparents' house, my papa and grandma, they had a party line. There was actually three houses on one, one phone line. You could pick up the phone and listen to somebody else. Or you pick up the phone and go, listen, I got to really make this phone call. Can you get off the phone? Remember the days where you didn't have emails coming to your phone and you didn't have text messages coming? I can remember when, the, when uh, text messages first became popular. I said, why would anybody text message somebody when they can just call them? That's, they're idiots. Now that's all I do. And then I have big, I have big stubby fingers and, they, and then it jumbles all up and I have to go back and retype. It's terrible, but we all, live, we, all have, we all live busy lives. For the most part, we all live busy lives. And there's a tendency, again, to, to, get, to get distracted and not to stay focused. Isaiah, the prophet, saw the Lord, the Bible says, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. And he saw the cherubims there crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It was and is and is to come. What happened to Isaiah when he kept his eyes on the Lord? It changed his life. When he saw the Lord, he said, Woe is me, a man of unclean lips. And then he said, Lord, what can I do? Here am I, send me. Notice the pattern. He saw the Lord, he got to know the Lord more. 
got to, got to see him in a greater way. That's what we come to church for primarily. We ought to, to know, the, know Jesus Christ more, to understand him more, to know, know more about the gospel, to know more about the doctrines found in this great Bible that we have. And the more Isaiah saw him, the greater it impacted his life. And therefore, it, 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 therefore, in return, it produced application, which is action on Isaiah's part, to please the Lord. Colossians says, set your affections on things above. Colossians says, seek those things which are above, Ephesians. Seek those things which are above. I mean, we as Christians stay focused to set our affections on things above, to seek those things which are above first, to make Jesus Christ to... By the way, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. When you accepted him as Savior, when you accepted him as Savior, when you trusted him and him alone as your only means of salvation, can I remind you that he is the only way? Jesus said, I am the way. His own words, not my words, not the you know, Apostle Paul's words, but Jesus Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus didn't say he was kind of the way or part of the way or half of the way or even the best way. He said, I am the way, emphatically. The only way to escape hell, the only way to escape the wrath of God placed upon your sins and my sins, the only way to escape the penalty of sin, which is hell and the grave, is through Jesus Christ. You want to escape hell and have a home in heaven when you die? Seek him. Come to Jesus. Trust in him, his life, his death, and his resurrection. I was witness to somebody here in the last couple of weeks, and I took them through the plan of salvation, how that Jesus Christ, again, that how that we are sinners. We are all sinners. The Bible says, as it's written, there's none righteous, no, not one. We are all selfish by nature. And because we're all selfish by nature, the wages of the penalty of that, the Bible says, is death. Revelation describes that death as hell. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. Hell is the penalty of sin. We are all sinners by nature. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can have, I can have eternal life. I can have life that is, that is uh, heavenward bound and not hell bound if I put my trust in Jesus Christ. His life is death and his resurrection. He is the only means of salvation. He's the only means of being rescued, rescued from the wrath of God upon our sins. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, lived a perfect life, never one time having a sinful thought, never one time performing a sinful deed. He was sinless in deed and desire. Hey, and disposition. He didn't have a sinful nature. And he lived that life without sin. Then they took him. And the Bible says that, no, he said, Jesus said, no man, take my life, I laid it down. He laid his da life down. He laid his body down on that cross. And there they put those nails in his hands and they put the nails through his feet and they lifted him up and put that cross in that hole and there Jesus Christ died on the cross not for crimes he had done not for sins he had committed but he died for us he died in our place the penalty for my sin was death but he died my death he died in my place he took the penalty he took the wrath of God for me that I might have eternal life I had taken this young person through that here a few weeks ago and took him all the way through and they came to the part where you understand that in order to have salvation in order to be rescued 
In order to be saved, you must put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. It doesn't matter that you join a church. It doesn't matter whether you're Methodist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, non-denominational, Assembly of God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't get you to heaven. You don't escape hell by being on the, a church, you know, being on the membership role of a church. The way you escape hell and have a home in heaven is by placing your trust in Jesus Christ. But listen, his life is death and his resurrection. Do you believe that you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus Christ paid your sin debt, that he died for your sins? But the third thing's where most people get stumped. Do you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And when I got to that part, this person hesitated. He said, I just don't know that I can believe that, that a, that a person can rise from the dead. Well, this person was unlike any other person. He was just as much God as though he'd never been man, just as much man as though he'd never been God. He was the God-man. And he, again, he died, he was buried, but because he had no sins of his own, he had, there was no penalty placed upon him because he had no sins of his own. He rose from the dead, having paid for our sins in full. He paid for our sins. And on the third day, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose of a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Hallelujah, he arose. Amen? And that's where a lot of people stumble. Do you believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Do you believe he's alive today? If you do, say amen. Amen. He's alive. He reigns forevermore. As we think about that as Christians, the more we get to know him, the more, the greater we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection. The closer we draw to him, the more, again, we're, we, we are, that we know him, the more we can be like him. The more that we can walk in his steps. What is God's goal for every Christian? Well, it's the mark. It's the one thing. It's to be conformed to the image of his son. You see, God is, is like working on us as an artisan would a, a statue. As he chips away, he chips away the rough areas. He chip, chips away the rough spots, and he's conforming us. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 29, he's conforming us. God is conforming us. He's molding us into the image of his dear son. That is the goal that God has for us. Remember Paul, who, whose name was Saul, who was a, a rabbi, he was a Pharisee, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And Saul went about persecuting churches, putting, putting Christians in prison. And one day, as, as Brother Sam was talking about this week, one day he was on his road to Damascus and he met the Lord. His own testimony said he saw the Lord and that, his, that it was as bright as the noonday sun. And the Lord spoke to, to Saul. Saul got saved. God changed his name to Paul. And Paul became a new person. I'll put it this way. Paul got a new purpose. His purpose before was to be a part of the Sanhedrin and to, and to rise in elevation amongst the Pharisees and become the, the one, the one in religious power and, and all those things. He was a religious zealot. He, he, he loved everything about it. And his purpose was to persecute the churches and to get the Christians and bring them to prison. And when he got saved, when he met the Lord, his purpose changed. Man, did it change. Boy, did he change. As Brother Davison pointed out during our revival meeting this week, he changed. He became a new creature, a new purpose. He had a new focus. 
Paul had a new aim. This one thing I do, he says here in verse 13. This one thing I do to know him, to be more like Christ, to resemble him, to, to love the Lord better. By the way, he says, I, I, I haven't apprehended, he said. I, I haven't attained. I, I haven't come to the place. I haven't laid a hold of the goal yet. I haven't finished my course. And neither have we. As Christians, we never get to the place where we arrive. There's never, uh, there's always another mountain. There's always another hill to climb. Hello? In the Christian life. We should, as Christians, never be satisfied. By the way, we never attain. We never get, First Peter 5, 5, Peter said this, God resists the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And we're to follow after, as Paul's stating here in verse 12, we're to follow after, we're to, apprehend as we've been apprehended we're to run swiftly toward and after to press on to go forward in our christian life let me tell you what paul was not running after what paul was not apprehending or trying to apprehend he wasn't striving for wealth no no he received a new purpose paul wasn't striving for pleasure no he had received a new purpose he wasn't striving for fame. He once did. He once strove for fame. He once strove uh, for, for wealth, all those things. No, he had a new purpose, a new focus. Jesus Christ. And above the fame and above the wealth and above pleasure shined brightly Jesus Christ. We, we need jobs and money to provide for our families. Hello? I mean, if you're any kind of man or any kind of mom... Or dad, you're going to take care of your family. But the ultimate goal is not wealth. Amen? The focus is Jesus. He said, this one thing I do, I'm single focus. Success in life is not attained by genius, but by plotting. Somebody said that. There's a lot of smart people out there who don't ever succeed. Sometimes it's the guy or the lady who just continues to plod, just continues to go on. Y'all remember the story of the tortoise and the hare? Hello? Amen. The tortoise and the hare, it's not always the fastest that wins. It's not always the fastest one who succeeds. No, it's the, it's the person who stays focused, who stays at it, who continues to go forward, who doesn't get deterred, who doesn't get deterred, who, who doesn't allow discouragement and distractions to distract them and get them off focus. As Christians, we need to stay focused. I've used this uh, quote with you before because it's been misquoted so many times. Benjamin Franklin was um, writing and also speaking to some men, and he said to these men, he said that every man ought to be the jack of all trade, jack of all trades and the master of none. That's not the quote. That's the way many times it's quoted, the master of none. It's actually what the quote is. Benjamin Franklin said that every man ought to be the jack of all trade and the master of one. In other words, a man, a boy, ought to be taught a little bit about everything, but a man ought to learn everything about one thing. Can I tell you, we need to stay focused. Yes, we, we got to, you know, we have to have jobs to take care of our family. And yes, there's going to be some entertainment, and there's going to be a vacation now and again. And yes, there's going to be the need uh, for uh, these other things in life. But listen, Jesus Christ ought to outshine them all. Jesus Christ ought to outshine them all. Stay focused on Him. Every circumstance that we face in life, the Bible makes it very clear, is for our good. 
that God always has our best interests in mind. When things are calm and easygoing, we go forward. When, things are, when our life is in conflict and we face temptation uh, and, and there's work there to try to destroy us, we ought to continue to go forward, to stay focused. In fact, it's in those difficult times that our muscles receive the most exercise and they grow the most. In calm, in calm waters and in, in calm situations, we don't grow as much as when we do when the storm is raging. When you exercise your muscles, they grow, sometimes. Right? When you exercise your muscles, your physical muscles, uh, they strengthen. And temptations and conflict and deters and these things strengthen us. We need to continue to press toward the mark. Forgetting those things which are behind, he said. These are, this is an area, and I don't, I'm not going to take the time, we'll come back to this. But we need to learn to forget, Paul said. Look at the verse 13 again. Brethren, I count on myself to have it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And many times when we come across this verse, and I've done it too, when we say, when Paul says forgetting those things which are behind, we kind of have a tendency to think about the bad stuff. But can I also say sometimes the good stuff can cause problems trying to go forward. In other words, we can get in the position where we say, well, there'll never be a revival like that revival. We'll never attain that level again. Well, that, you know, sometimes we get to looking at the victories of the past, which is good from time to time. It's good when the devil's trying to discourage you and, and somebody has disappointed you to look back and say, God didn't disappoint me there. God's never disappointed me. Every time he's come through for me. But it's wrong to go back and say, you know what? That'll never happen again. I'll, we'll never get to that point again. We'll never reach that high mountain again. Hello? Sometimes success, looking back at successes, can also deter us from staying focused and pressing forward. And of course, sin can as well. The devil loves to remind us of our past. He loves that. He loves for you to get discouraged about something you've already gone to God and confessed. When you go to God and you confess your sins, He, that is God, is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. When you go to God and you confess your sins, guess what? He forgives you. And the devil likes to bring that up again. He likes to bring that sin up again, the sin that you've already carried to the Lord and you left it there. But he loves to bring that up and discourage you. Can I again remind you, that's under the blood. Your sins are forgiven. You've confessed and they're forgiven. Go forward. Forgetting those things which are behind. Go forward. Apprehend. Reach forth. Press toward the mark. Stay focused. Kids are about to go back to school this week. Life's fixing to get busy again. Really busy. Football. You know, Texas pastime. And volleyball for girls, whatever. All these things are fixing to come back into play. Our kids are back in school. All these things coming back and busy, 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 back, bang, bang. Listen, stay focused. How's your family devotional life going? How's your personal walk with Jesus? Are you staying focused? Are you keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you staying focused as a Christian? Paul just reminding us of the one thing. Of the one thing. Reach forward. Press forward. In closing, uh, our goal is to be like Jesus. And in Christ we find grace and strength as we stay focused. Somebody said this, you cannot be in Christ without Christ being in you. The Spirit of His Son within you. The Holy Spirit, if you're saved this morning, the Holy Spirit lives within you. 
and he's there to help you. He's one called alongside to help you stay focused. Rely on him. Trust in the Lord. Stay focused. The one thing, oh, but I got this and this and these people to please and this person to please and I got to keep my kids happy and my boss happy and my wife happy and my husband happy and all these things. No, 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 no. Calm down, be still, stay focused, please the Lord, and all those other things will fall into place. Seek Him first. Let's all stand. We're going to sing a verse of invitation and invite you if you'd like to come and pray here at the altar to come and pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you've never been rescued, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone as your personal Savior. We'd love to show you from the Bible how you can have a home in heaven, escape hell, how you can have your sins forgiven. One of the counselors here will show you. Maybe you're here again as a Christian and you've lost focus. Maybe over the summer you just kind of got out of focus and we just want to get back into the Lord and say, Lord, help me, strengthen me to stay focused. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful revival meeting we had. I thank you, Lord, for these who've come out this morning and chosen to be here to be a part of this service. Lord, they've listened well today, and I, I pray, God, that you have touched their hearts. Lord, there's so many things that distract us, and I pray that each of us would stay focused, that each of us would stay focused in our daily devotional, our daily walk with you, that we stay focused in our family altars and praying with our kids and keeping Jesus the center of our home. Lord, may we stay focused. Would you strengthen and give us grace in the time of need? We need that, Lord. Bless this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.